welcome back to the Stick 'Em Up podcast. Brundy, how are you doing? Doing quite well today. Uh, just kind of been 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 a bit of a relaxing day, but good to always uh, hop on here now after watching some football, and we can uh, we can talk more hockey here. All right, all right. We uh we t- we got the Pacific Division today, our last division to do, right? Yep. Four or four. Four or four. Do we want to just jump right into that with the who are we starting? Probably the Ducks. Yeah, yeah, we'll start with the Ducks here. Um, just kind of looking over their their roster here and kind of what their this is not. I don't know. I'm gonna ask you first what you think. Um, yeah, there's of the Ducks going into next season. There's not an abundance to talk about uh, right now. You know, they're just one of those teams in the middle of a rebuild. Um, they got looks like pretty much yeah. They got all their picks in the next three years. They've also got uh, Boston second rounder this year, and then San Jose and Pittsburgh's third rounder this year. So got a couple extra picks there. Um, as far as the team goes, though, uh, definitely still in the rebuild, but they got a lot of exciting things to look forward to. You know, uh, Zegris, uh, Jamie Drysdale, Mason McTavish, all a year older. Uh, Leo Carlson coming in, signing his ELC this this off season, and uh, they got a couple new names as well. You know, they got uh, Alex Killorn coming in on a bit of a Bit of a heavy contract, but that's that's how, what you pay for the UFAs, I suppose. Uh, they also got Radko Gudis coming in at four million a year. They got uh, they're definitely going to be better than last year, but uh, they're still pretty clearly nowhere near contending yet. Yeah, um, I, I think there's a couple interesting points with Anaheim here. Um, just looking at the roster right now and all of that, the biggest thing I'm kind of noticing um, is, is that uh, obviously Trevor Zegras and Jamie Drysdale, neither of them are um, have signed yet. There's still RFAs with the team, but uh, there's been no contract um, agreements yet between the two sides. So that's... Um, that's kind of interesting to just keep an eye on as you know we get closer to the start of preseason and whatnot is you know when they're going to sign and when they do what the contracts are kind of looking like for them yeah i was gonna say i didn't realize that's not uh that's not next year their rfas that's like right now currently so they at the moment they don't have a contract yeah no and it's like obviously you know, they're going to sign because, uh, what is it here? Anaheim's got uh, about 16 and a half in cap space right now. So they've got the money to get these guys signed. So I don't think, um, you know, that that's going to be an issue. Another thing that I do like that the Ducks did, and it was something I, I went, you know, back to last year, um, that I was very, like, I, I strongly believed in it. And that's just, um, so, you know, over the, you know, I mean, for Corey Perry, you know, he um, was was gone at like quite a bit ago. But, you know, I think like just last year they lost, well, I guess now not last season, but the season before. Um, 
the Anaheim Ducks lost Ryan Getzlaff. It kind of came out of nowhere for them. And they never really, you know, had established like this next kind of leadership group after them. Like, you know, I know they got guys like Adam Henrique, who's, you know, um, I think one of the better guys you could have leading a team. But other than him, really, like there's they didn't really have a whole lot. So I do like adding guys like um, Alex Killorn and Radko Gudis to help kind of, um, you know, not be like the main guys in the room, but they're going to have a strong presence and they're they won't be afraid to speak up when when needed for the team. Yeah, that's uh, what uh, what kind of contracts do you see coming out for uh, Zegris and Drysdale? Because I definitely think they're going to try and lock Zegris up as long as they can. But uh, I w- I'm wondering if they're going to think about signing a bridge deal with Drysdale. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's so tough to tell now because we're, we're in a different you know, era where kind of before it was like your young guys right out of the rookie deal. It's like, you know, you want to try and lock them up or, or at the bare minimum, you do like a one year um, deal from there and then go from there. Uh, but, but now we're just kind of in an area where, you know, I think the teams want to lock their guys up long-term, but the players are like, you know, I mean, look at, uh, Austin Matthews, uh, you know, just signed a couple shorter deals and then, you know, he still resigns with the team, but when he signs his next contract, you know, now we can get even more money there. Um, I think, I think you're probably right though. I do, I do think Zegras signs a long-term deal, um, you know, maybe around nine million or so is probably where he ends up if they do a long term deal. Yeah. And then, then with Drysdale, yeah, I see like a, a two, oh, you know, almost you can make the argument for something kind of similar to maybe what um, Evan Bouchard's going to get. I think that's just kind of what young defensemen are, are getting now. Um, you know, he's 21 now, he's going to log a lot of minutes on their blue line next year. So I probably see a two or three year deal in it around like maybe the the two and a half range. Yeah, I think I think he's gonna sign something like that. Um, yeah, it's I really didn't realize that they didn't have contracts. That's interesting that they spent so much money on some on some of the UFAs out there this year with uh, without those guys being locked up. Uh, they they also have Ilya Labushkin. They didn't have him. Did they have him last year? No, they they traded for him from. I think they made a deal with Toronto at some point in the off season, or not Toronto, um, Buffalo. He was traded for like a fourth round pick or something like that. Yeah, yeah, they're just um, in Buffalo. But yeah, I mean, that, and then, that, and then, that definitely helps with their uh, depth on the on defense. Yeah. You know, having Gudis and Labushkin, just two extra guys that are uh, probably ideally in just uh, in your top six, but can easily slot in on most teams somewhere in the top four. That uh, that definitely helps their depth. Bef- when before it was really Drysdale, Cam Fowler, and whoever else they could find really i guess they did Drysdale, last year drysdale only played um a couple 
like Drysdale didn't play much. He went down with that injury, so I think he only played like nine games or some last year. Oof. Uh, so that made their yeah their defense even worse. And Klingberg was that was the year before, so they didn't even have right or no? Yeah, I guess they did. Yeah. yeah oh yeah, they, just, yeah, they tried at the just, deadline. That's right. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, and so I mean. You know, their four group, they've got that young talent. Um, I think their their leadership has definitely grown because I think it was very bad last year. And I think that was very evident on the performance of the team. And then in net, um, they got John Gibson. I don't really know what's going on with him. There's rumors that he says he's never going to play with the Ducks again. They're saying he didn't. So he's been in trade rumors for a while. Um, you know. I think he's a serviceable goalie, but I mean, he hasn't put together a solid season the last couple years. So maybe a change of scenery, scenery could help him. Uh, but if he if he is in net for the Ducks this year, I think, you know, he can still um, seal him a couple games here and there. But in terms of the team in front of him, I could see why he why he would want out if that is the case. Yeah, I think I think he's still one of the better starters in the league. I don't know if he's as elite as he once was for sure, but I think the team in front of him defensively, especially has just been so bad the last few years that it's kind of hard to gauge him at this point, but I think they're going to want to try and trade him as soon as possible if they can, because if, if he has another season, you know, his trade value is only going to go down unless he really carries the team. Yeah, they gotta try and get the most for him. Yeah. If if they're trading him. And so that would be now because yeah, like you said, his trade value's probably gonna go down if he plays a whole season with the ducks again. So that's something to to keep an eye on though. Out of Anaheim, along with the the Zegris and Drysdale um extensions when those will happen. Yeah. Um what do you what do you think about their uh, captaincy? Do you think they're going to sign a or a, appoint a captain at any point this year? I'm not sure. I think it's it's such a tough like I I guess maybe not tough, but like it's a big decision right? because you know it's kind of the next um heir of the team now, you know, they they ran with Ryan Getzlaff for for so long as their captain and now he's gone. So kind of picking that next guy to, to take over. Um, and we'll, we'll get more into Vancouver um, later when we cover them. But even like when, you know, Henrik Sedin retired and it was now like a big thing of like, who's going to be the next guy to, to take over and, in, in, um, you know, the footsteps of Henrik Sedin lead this team, which and it ended up being Bo Horvat. So it, it's tough with the ducks. It, I, to me, I think a guy that makes the most sense if you're trying to like have that new era type thing, um, kind of similar to the Getzoff situation, would be Troy Terry, I think. Uh, but the, the, there is other options. Like you could go with uh, you know Adam Henrique, a good veteran in the league. Um, he's been with the team for all. The only issue is he's he is 33. He's only got one year left on his deal. So then it's like you know do do you name a guy captain knowing that you know he might be gone in a year's time 
or even uh, maybe Cam Fowler on the back end. He's also a guy that's been there for a while with them. Yeah, I I often think that there's a really good chance that it'll be Cam Fowler. Uh, really, I think it's it's probably going to go to Cam Fowler unless unless the team decides that they really want to like they want that new Ryan Getzlaff guy and they want to like start like turning one of these young guys into that player. In which case, I think it could easily be a guy like Zegris. Uh, one of course, once he signs a contract, and it would probably have to be a long term one. I don't, I don't see Zegris getting it. I think if they're doing that, I think they're going with someone like Troy Terry. I think, I think, uh, teams just like you know, it's uh, it uh, not always depends on how they are in the locker room, but just uh, you know. Uh, Zegris is the flashy guy. You know, he was on the cover of the NHL game. You know, he's got a lot of recognition around the league. And I I just wonder if it would be one of those things where it'd be almost more of like a a general manager or a president of hockey ops kind of making the decision more so than the coach or the players. See, so that's interesting because I've I've constantly gone back to this before. And even you just talking about, you know, he's the... The young, skilled guy, the flashiness, the the cover of the games. He reminds me a lot of like a Patrick Kane, um, just a you know a a phenomenal player, a great young player in, in the league. But I always just see it being like Kane never ended up getting that. See, it was always you know he was behind Taves, but he was like the duo with Taves type thing, which I think yeah. is what we might see with with a Zegris and like a Troy Terry. I see if Troy Terry does get if they go in that direction. I see Zegers kind of being like the the cane and he's uh you know he's still kind of he's still a well-known leader in that room but he's just was never he never got the opportunity to take over from the other guy. Yeah, and you know there's there's been plenty of incredibly skilled players that never get a chance at the captaincy or at the very least they don't get it for long, you know. I mean Bergeron was so good with the Bruins for how many years and he only got the captaincy in 2020 because Chara was just captain forever in Boston. Yeah. So, and now you know, with there's... Marchand's the guy to, to take over, it's very similar where, you know, he finally gets to be captain, but it's only for three or four years maybe type of thing. Even same with uh, Malkin with Pittsburgh. Yeah, so... Like, that's a guy that's should have a C on his jersey, but he, again, he's just behind Crosby, so he was never able to to get it so i think that's that's kind of what i think is gonna happen but i yeah cam fowler is also just a solid um option for them yeah i can't believe cam fowler's only 31 i just feel like i've seen him be on the on the ducks forever like has he ever played for a for another team no yeah like he's he's just been around there forever and he's He's what has he got? He's got three more years on his deal, so it's not not exactly a small contract remaining. Um, yeah, but yeah. Troy Terry with his new with his new contract, seven million per year for another seven. I could definitely see that being the direction they go with it. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I think is is going to end up happening. I think Troy Terry will get it, but hey, any anything can happen with Anaheim. Um, enough with the duck. Oh, I guess we got a, 
enough with I guess before we move on, we have to keep on going with where we have each team projected to finish All right. within the division at the end of uh, this upcoming season. All right. I'll, I'll start off with my prediction. I have the Anaheim Ducks placing seventh in the division. I have the Anaheim Ducks finishing in eighth. You do have them in eighth. Oh, I have them in seven. I have them in oh. seven. He has them in seven. Yeah, it's tough, but I, I have them in the seven. Playoffs. Yes, obviously. Very far outside the playoffs. Still probably a bottom five team. Yeah, pretty, pretty close, say. if not. I mean, like all the teams that were bad in the East kind of took a step forward. Except like, the Flyers. Except for the Yeah, except for the Flyers. They're the one exception, but they're like as deep into a rebuild as you can possibly be in. Yeah. Like it's bad there. Like it's really bad. Yeah. Yeah. And they're two of their most exciting prospects are both being held up in Russia. So we'll see how either of those situations go. Yeah. I think I just saw something actually. I'm not going to dive down that well with the Flyers because they're so bad. Um, yeah, we'll okay, talk about next. it in like six years when it's relevant. Yeah, exactly. Um, moving on, the Calgary Flames. See. Yay. See. Um, all right, what are we thinking here? What are we thinking at looking at this team going into next year? Uh, they, very very looking roster from a couple years ago. Just very different. Yeah, they they are they are so complicated. They're very similar to the Canucks in the way that it's just it's so hard to tell year to year what they're gonna do. Um, yeah, my God, they don't have next year's first round pick for them, but they have Florida's. All these picks have little asterisks beside them, so they got conditions on like. All of these, yeah. On the the Flames, their own pick, the uh, 2024 and 2025, that was the Sean Monahan deal. Um, so that's they'll keep one of the two picks, and whichever one they choose to send to Montreal, then yeah, they'll, they'll lose that one, right? Man, that's rough. They, uh, but yeah, so they've still got one first round pick, uh. Either way, for each of uh, the next three years, um, you know they got Huberto locked up long term. They got uh, they got Kadri locked up long term. Manjupani has two years left. Um, they're definitely hoping for they're hoping for a bounce back season from almost the whole team. But uh, yeah. I think Huberto and Manjupani are two of the biggest people outside of uh, Jacob Markstrom that they're really needing a bounce back season from yeah uh that that forward lot uh core really really top to bottom struggled last year uh very heavily yeah it was just rough their their defense still played decently well and they've got a really good defensive core you know Mackenzie Weger, Noah Hannafin, Rasmus Anderson, Chris Tanev that's a solid top four you don't mm -hmm. You don't really have that like number one like Han Smythe level defenseman, but Mackenzie Weger, Rasmus Anderson, and Hannafin, all three all three of those guys are pretty high caliber defensemen. 
So when you have well, that even even Chris Tanev, when he's you know in his own end, is is one of the hardest guys to go up against. So yeah, um, yeah. Other if there wasn't um, uh, Jacob Slavin in the league, I think people would talk about Chris Tanev as one of those guys that's always underrated because he doesn't have the flashy point totals, but he is yeah. insanely solid in his own end. Exactly. Yeah. Um, the flames are in a tough spot. You know, I respect what, um, tree living did, you know, um, basically how we kind of turned lemons into lemonade, you know, you're, you, you lose Kachuk and Goudreau and you immediately turn that into Uyghur, Huberto, Caudry. Um, so like, I, I respect him for, you know, doing his best to, um, to, to keep the team afloat and be like, you know, we're not going down. We're going to try and come back even better despite all this. It really didn't work out well last year. Um, there was just so many holes with the team, so many problems. Uh, how much do we, I don't, we don't really know how much, um, you know, of an effect that was due to the issues with Daryl Sutter um, in the locker room and on the bench. You know, that's going to be one thing to kind of focus on is, is um, you know, is there a different atmosphere or vibe kind of from the team? Um, and then how do they play next year? That's also something that could definitely improve um, just due to something like a, a head coaching change. But they got a lot of work to do with this team. Yeah. And realistically, like if if some of these guys like, you know, Mangiapane had like a 40 goal season. If he can be at that level, if Huberto can be at a a 90 plus point rate that we know he can play at, uh, you know, if Kadri steps up, if if Lindholm steps back up and then they get good goaltending, then I definitely think this team could get back into the playoffs as soon as this year. But uh, they they really just kind of got to turn back the clock and play like we know they can. Uh, I personally think Sutter was a very large amount of the problem. But just to clarify, just to clarify, Daryl Sutter, Daryl, not Sutter. Chris Sutter. No, Chris Sutter was the glue for this team last year. He really was, honestly. He really was. He was so honestly. He's he like the best fantastic. part of every Flames game going to it. Like, oh, yeah, guys, incredible. Oh, I think we saw when we were there, we saw like the best one of the year because it just took everyone by surprise. But like, it was sick. That was that was incredible. Do, do you want to do you want to tell that story? I don't. Um, so what, what was it was the Usher cam, I think is what it yeah. was. Yeah. OK, yeah. So basically uh, just during it. The TV timeout, they're scraping the ice. Um, they did an Usher cam. And so they just went around the camera and, uh, you know, put it on Usher's and they just started dancing to whatever the song was. And then right near the end, they they turned the camera to an Usher and he's got his back turned and is like not wanting to participate in it. And everybody's like, why is this guy like not doing it? And all of a sudden, boom. <laughs> he he turns around and it's just it's Chris Sutter there and the place just erupts and the music starts bumping. Like that, it was it was crazy. It was so good though. That night we saw Nikita Zadorov get a hat trick 
And that was the second loudest that building got that night. Yeah. Dude, people well, were, yeah. people were so hyped for Matthew Coronado and Dustin Wolf were making their their NHL debuts, and I I still think Chris Sutter got the biggest pop of the night. And <laughs> like it was crazy. It was sick. Yeah. Um Do you think they yeah. move Vladar for uh to make room you have for to. You Dustin have to. If I think the they would much rather prefer to maybe move Markstrom, um, as opposed to Vladar, just due to the size of contracts, the ages, and and all that. But like, I don't think Markstrom's movable, uh, and you you have to like you have to let Dustin Wolf play this year. You know, he's only got one year left on his deal, um, on his ELC, making league minimum pretty much. He's twenty two years old now. So I mean, what he's is he going to want? AHL just... goalie of the year, two years in a row now. Yeah, he's he literally done played. everything you can do in the AHL. Like he's completed it. There's no more side missions for him or anything. Like he needs to play in the NHL next year. Um, I think it's better for him to come in and be a backup. You know, maybe play twenty to twenty-five games. Um, just kind of get his feet wet, get a little more accustomed to to being in the NHL, and then I think the following year, um. I think is when he he should be taking over as the starter, assuming he plays well the prior season. Yeah. But I think that's when he should be the the number one guy for the Flames for the next ten, fifteen years for however long. Yeah, but if and I think Vladar you know, does get traded. Yeah, and if they trade Vladar and make the room for for Wolf, honestly, I mean, if Markstrom plays similar to last year and Wolf plays to the potential, you know, he can. It could be as soon as November this year that he steals the starting spot. Like very well could, yeah. Like if he, you know, if he says put me in and he's out there putting up a 9-10 and Markstrom's putting up another sub 900 year, what choice do you have other than to play the young kid? Yeah. Yeah, they might get uh pushed into a corner where they got no choice but to to let him take over. But I think the biggest thing with the Flames, um, you know, they, they got to figure out what's going on with Noah Hannafin, uh, Elias Lindholm, Michael Backlund. Like, th- those are big they got areas a lot of, of concern. Like, they got to figure that out. Yeah. And it, it was very apparent, you know, when Craig Conroy came in as GM in his first, uh, first media appearance, he said, you know, that situation that happened with Goudreau, we're not going to let that happen again. That, that very severely like, you know, hurt the team. Um, that's so much value lost, both just what you could have got back in a, in a trade, um, you know, if you're moving them or just if you resigned, like he was open to um, prior and that just his production that he put on the ice every year. And, but there's still, you know, they're rolling into the season. They haven't moved any of them yet. It doesn't sound like anything's close on um, extensions. It doesn't really sound like, I mean, they say they're open to like playing with the flames and staying, but it's like, they're not saying they want to be there. The so, only one I've heard that from is Elias Lindholm. I've, I've heard he's a lot closer to resigning than the others and that he's actively said he wants to stay here. The other ones, really, it sounds like they're half half in, half foot out the door. I think Backlund's like, 
he 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 doesn't he wants out. Hannafin, I think just recently stuff came out about him. Um, just him saying like how he didn't really want to talk about extensions or anything during the summer. Like he just wanted to um, train and focus and, you know, just spend time with family and whatnot. So I think maybe we might start to hear some over the coming weeks, maybe if something starting to pick up with Hannafin, if he's, uh, you know, kind of more open to resigning now. So that's the one thing I'm kind of focusing on is if there's anything that comes from that or if there's still like no talks between the two sides, then it's pretty apparent that nothing's going to get done. But, you know, those are three big players on, on your team that you don't really want to go into the season where, like you said, they're, they're half in, half out. You want guys that are all in and committed to the team. Yeah, and, you know, as good as uh, Michael Backlund is for, for, you know, for the locker room and everything, uh, he's kind of the, the third man in that situation. Like, Elias Lindholm is arguably their number one center. Uh, at the very worst, second center. You know, he came second no, in one. Selkie voting no, he's, two he's years one. ago. Kadri's two. Yeah. But, but yeah, uh, Backlund has kind of always been the, you know, what, what the, the, the bridesmaid, never the bride type thing almost. Um, he's just always kind of been in that, you know, sometimes he maybe bounced up to second line, but he's usually kind of there on the third line and he's, he's, he's just never gotten the guy he's 34 yeah. at this point so any extension would be th- years 35 and over yeah. you know lindholm's 28 you know hannafin is 26. 26 like yeah those are i think it's pretty clear that if you get to pick two you've got to pick lindholm and hannafin yeah and oh yeah try and get them to stay first yeah and yeah, I I really hope to see uh, at the very least Elias Lindholm stick around. I think he's just been so good for the Flames, uh, both offensively and defensively. And he's that would uh, that would really hurt to lose that uh, last guy that was on the on the line that had uh, forty goals each, uh, yeah. just two seasons ago. Yeah, I think a big thing also that, you know, it doesn't get talked about a lot with the Flames is like they did lose their top goal scorer from last year in Toffoli. Um, he, you know, he didn't want to be there, so he was the first kind of domino to fall. They moved him out pretty quickly. They got Sharon Govich back. He's probably at best going to be a third liner. I really don't see him uh, slotting into the Flames top six. And if he does, I don't see him being as effective um, as other guys could be so that is a big hole and that's you know like what did he have for goals last year um i'm gonna look it up here quickly i think he had uh, around 40 didn't gonna, he it's not gonna tell me that on 34 yeah. so thir- so like 34 goals 73 points that's 34 goals and 73 points that you gotta like uh, you, have, you have to try the, and replace that. Yeah, and I and, and Sharon so, Govich isn't going to make the play do that. Yeah, so you know I think it's going to come a lot from. Uh, I think especially it's got to come from bounce back years from Huberto and Mangiapane, but also some of their young guys like uh, Jacob Peltier, uh, Adam Rizitska, Matt Coronado, or maybe even some other some other guys that make the team out of camp. But there's. 
I know uh, a lot of Flames fans that I know are really excited about uh, Walker Dewar. Yeah, I don't see him being like a top six guy, though. Yeah, like I still see him capping out as on like the third line. Like I don't, I just don't see him being a a guy that is a top contributor um, offensively for the team. Right. I think he's a he's a great uh, two way guy though that should log a lot of minutes for the team on the penalty kill, especially. Yeah, and that'll be important for them because the penalty kill has been pretty good in Calgary. The yeah. last last couple of years, the the one thing they've been able to consistently do is play good defense. So it was just unfortunate last year they had really bad goaltending, especially in the second half of the season after about January. So yeah, if they can if they can get some decent goaltending this year and keep up that defensive play, they uh they might not have to score as many goals as people think to squeak into the playoffs. Yeah. Um, so I guess lastly, before we, uh, throw out where we think the flames, um, are going to end up in a season, who do we think their next captain's going to be assuming they name one, um, which Craig Conroy has very heavily said that they will have a captain for this season. If they re-sign... Michael Backlund, I think it's going to be him. Um, I don't think you can now. But that's... Even then, that would be... That would be kind of a bridge captain, because, again, he's 34. Um, I definitely think one of the best options would be Rasmus Anderson. Yeah, I'm leaning towards... If it's not Rasmus Anderson, I see it being used kind of like what it was with Kachuk, um, now similar with Lindholm. I think if you know they offer Lindholm, whatever, say seven or eight year extension, and I think that comes with him being the next captain. I just don't. I think with Backlund's age now, I mean he's so by the end of next season he's going to be thirty five. So again, it is kind of a bridge captain, but also at the same time, I think you want to give it to someone who wants to be there. I don't think you can give it to a guy who's just willing to stick around type of thing. I think you need to give it to someone who, you know, loves the team, loves the city, wants to stay there and has like no desire to leave, I think is what you got to do with this new kind of era of Flames hockey. Uh, I think they need to start off on the right foot. I think naming um, a captain is is a big telling of um, what we're going to expect from this team. Yeah, I think I think it definitely could be Lindholm. I think that would I think be, Anderson's a good choice, though. So. Yeah, I think Anderson or Lindholm would be great choices. And you know, if uh, if Hannafin uh, signs a long extension, I could definitely see it going to him as well. I think a lot of people kind of expect it to be Huberto, but it can't. It can't. I I think people just realize that it it's just he doesn't. Uh, seem like the kind of guy who goes to a new team and just immediately gets it, you know? Like, I, you like, he's incredibly good, but, you know, uh, you know, even a Patrick Kane going to the Rangers doesn't get that, you know? You don't, the only guy, kind of guys you do that for are Crosby or something like that, right? 
Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, you just, I don't think you can do Huberto just because, you know, expect like, expectations were crazy high for him going last year, just because of uh, what he, you know, what he did the year previously with Florida. But I think coming in last year, um, you know, the, the, the very clear issues between him and Sutter, like he came in and just started to really butt heads with Sutter when, I mean, prior to that, it sounded like things were awesome with him there. And then just a bad season all around for him, like just not what we expected from him. So, you know, making 10 and a half mil now, he puts up numbers like that, you know, he's, it's starting to look like a bad contract. And so how do you give him the C now after underperforming? Because if you give him the C, you need him to be back up to like 90, 95 plus points. If you give him the C and he puts up a whatever 50 point season or something like now you've got to be like, do we keep running with him like this, hoping that things get better? Or do you have to strip him of the captaincy, which we've seen that happen multiple times with San Jose? And it's not a it's not a good sign when something like that has to happen. Yeah, there's yeah, it's just uh, it's a weird situation, but uh I would be I'm, I'm surprised how many people there. seem to think that it's a foregone conclusion that he'll be the captain. But uh, if he if he had a good season last year, I think he's the slam dunk choice. Yeah. The but after last season, even if, I, even if he no did, way. I wouldn't expect it. Like I don't I don't think we're in the era anymore of the best player is always the captain. I think it's no, but I think he would because of his his contract. I feel like mm. because they know they've got him locked in long term. You know, I just see him being their first choice as opposed to Kadri or Uyghur. I think Huberto's just the guy that they would have loved to to put this on, but I think they kind of realize that based after last year, like, you can't. Yeah. But we will see what happens there. Um, do you want me to go first before I have the Flames ranked? Yeah, go for it. I have the Flames in fourth in the Ooh. Pacific Division, making the playoffs. They they sneak into that first wild card spot. I'm trying to think if I should uh if I should shift uh shift anything around that I've got written down here, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with what I wrote down last time. Uh I have the Calgary Flames in sixth in the division. In six, wow. Not okay. making the playoffs. So I struggled making mine. I ended up having the Flames in, in fourth, and then I'll get to them, but uh, I've got Team X and Y and five and six. I could realistically see any of those three teams interchanging. Like, it, I think it's going to be a... I imagine we have the same four, five, six, if I had to guess. Yeah. Like, and it's going to be a dogfight between those teams. Like, I could see it coming down to, like... Uh, and, and, and spoiler alert, I have the team in fifth in the Pacific also making the playoffs. Um, but I see, the, I see like those three teams fighting it out for the playoffs, like right up till the end of the season. And I have yeah. Calgary just getting the edge because they'll probably win one extra game in a shootout because they won't be sending out Nick Ritchie when the season's on the line. So that's my, that's, as uh, if, as if the rest of the season didn't go bad enough for Sutter to be criticized. Like he made, he had to make that decision. Like, yeah. 
Oof. Yeah, that, that was a tough one. That's a tough one. There was a lot of good players that had not shot yet, too. I'm pretty sure Toffoli hadn't shot yet. No. No, it was only the third. He was the third shooter. Like... Like he was in the top three goal score and point score out there. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, moving on, the Edmonton Oilers. Connor McDavid's team. McDavid, Dreisidel, and the bots. <laughs> yeah, pretty pretty much. <laughs> Dude, that's it. That's that should be a band name in Edmonton. That's sick. <laughs> um yeah, I mean, like, we kind of know the story with the Oilers, McDavid and Drysaddle show for the most part. Maybe even the Bouchard show um, on the power play next year because he's going to put up almost all his points on the power play. That's Let's be realistic here. Um, I think the Oilers are going to be good next year. Yeah, they, I mean, when you're getting 150 points from one player, like it's hard not to be incredible. Like they, that their forward core is really starting to fill out. It really was just McDavid and Dry settle for a while, but you know Hyman's doing pretty well. Evander Kane uh, puts up really solid numbers when he's playing, but he's been injured quite a few times the past few years. Uh, Nugent Hopkins just put up a hundred points, even if you know it was because of that power play one, still putting up a lot of points for him. You know, Ryan McLeod, Warren Fogle, even uh, lower down guys like Dylan Holloway. They got they got some guys showing up. Yeah, um, they really do. I'm I really do like the look of the team. Like, obviously, McDavid is the the number one player in the league. I think Dry Saddle comes in at two. Um, but then, yeah, like they just got a good supporting cast right now with guys like Hyman, Kane, Nugent Hopkins, um, even Connor Brown now. Um, you know, he's coming in, uh, probably going to slot in th- to their top six, probably going to start with McDavid, I bet. And like, th- that's just, those are the pieces that they didn't have for the longest time. You know, it yeah. was always just McDavid, Drysaddle, and Nugent Hopkins. And it was just kind of those three having to do all the work. And um, so now when you add pieces like Hyman, Kane, uh, Brown, and even a prospect maybe like a, a Dylan Holloway or something, they're, they're finally getting those supporting pieces around their star players. And then even on the back end, you know, it was just kind of Darnell Nurse for the longest time. Now you bring in Matias Ekholm. You've got Evan Bouchard who's coming up. Um, you, you bring in Brett Kulak, like, good supporting pieces around, you know, kind of your top guy, not saying Darnell Nurse is the top guy, but he he's, he's treated like that kind of. Yeah. So, and then they've, they even got good depth still. You've got Warren Fogel, Ryan McLeod, uh, Matthias Janmark, Derek Ryan, like they've got, they've just got good pieces all around. I think the only thing that, um, you know, again, is, is, is kind of the biggest question mark with this team is the goaltending. Um, can Jack Campbell bounce back next year? Is Stuart Skinner going to impress like he did last year? Is he going to regress or is he going to take that next step? There's there's a lot of pieces with, with the goaltending that is going to be a real big make or break for this team because I just don't see their, their goal scoring in their defensive games to be uh, much of an issue for them. No, they they definitely are deeper 
everywhere than they've ever been, like even in net. And I think Stuart Skinner is going to improve on last year. I think he's, I think he's going to officially, well, he kind of already did last year, but he's going to really take the job from Jack Campbell. He's going to be their starter for sure. And uh, yeah, this, honestly, I'm looking at this team and like, I can, I can see this team being etched into the cup. Like, yeah, this, this just seems, I'm just looking at their team and it just, it just seems like I, you know, if you go back and you look at the, you look at the St. Louis Blues. You you go back and look at one of the Blackhawks rosters. This just has that feeling of it's got the top end talent on the defense and the forwards. It's got the good enough uh, depth. It's got good enough goaltending. I I could definitely see one of these next two two or three years being Edmonton's year. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm like I'm very high on the Oilers this season. They're they're going to be a good team. One thing I'm going to ask you: if you're Oilers management and you can only have one of these two happen, would you rather have Jack Campbell to have a bounce back year and Stuart Skinner kind of uh, maybe takes a step back, or would you rather have Jack Campbell? You stay the same or get worse, but see that next step from Stuart Skinner. You want to see Stuart Skinner take that next step. I think barring two years ago with Toronto, that uh, insane October, November that Jack Campbell had. Other than that, he hasn't seemed much more than an average goaltender in the league. He had an incredible stretch there, but that was really it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stuart Skinner, like last year was his rookie year, right? And he made it to the All Star game. Like, if he can well, voted stay in, that level or get better, the guy's only twenty four. You've already got him signed for another three years, and I mean, well, that's that's the window with McDavid and Drysaitel right now, until they get extensions in place or something. I yeah. think I think you absolutely, you know what? If if you just have to eat that five mil on jack campbell that sucks but you're also getting 20 million dollars worth of player out of one guy in mcdavid so yeah yeah i think i think that's best. i, I, I agree with you them. i agree i think you want to see skinner take that next step um i've seen a lot of people saying that you know they got to ride with campbell to start the season he's got to be their guy they've got to try and find a way to to be able to move him. um but i think I think we know the best that the Oilers are going to get from Jack Campbell, and it's not great. Whereas we've seen what you can get from Stuart Skinner. Um, I think the only issue is come playoffs. I I don't, you know, I think that might be an area where where it hurts them, regardless of who is in net. Um, but I think you got to run with Stuart Skinner for this season. Yeah, and I think at the start of the year, you probably go a 1A, 1B kind of situation, and you see, yeah. you know, can either of them really take the reins. But at the end of the day, it matters how much you're spending on your goaltending, not on each goalie. If you're yeah. getting good goaltending throughout the season and you're paying the $7.6 million that they're paying for goalies, that's that's a pretty good deal. Like, yeah. It doesn't matter if the guy getting paid less is doing most of the work. If you're goalies are at a reasonable cap hit and you're getting the results that's yeah matters at the end of the day yeah i i completely agree 
And they got some, in, they got a couple interesting names here uh, on PTOs right now. Adam Ernie has been great for uh, Tampa Bay in the past and uh, more recently on Detroit. Uh, Sam Gagne, they're looking to bring him back, see if he can have another, what was it, a seven goal game, a six goal game? Yeah, I can't remember. I know he had, it was nine points. And then Brandon Sutter as well. So they got. Yeah, I'm really hoping Sutter makes a team. Uh, I, I just, I really enjoy him as a player. I'd love to see him kind of a bounce back now after, you know, taking a couple years off there um, due to COVID. So we'll see, we'll see what happens um, with him, but I, I do hope he is on the team um, come opening night. Yeah, I'm, I'm liking the look of this team for sure. All right. Um, do you want to go first here? I think we've probably got Oilers in the same spot. Yeah. I, when I was, when we were reading our predictions in the last video, I start, as we talked through it, I started uh, doubting myself a bit on St. Louis, Minnesota, and Winnipeg's uh, placements, but I, but I kept them there. And even earlier, yeah. I was uh, debating on Calgary's, but I kept them there. But I actually did just switch my, my one and my two. I have oh, the Edmonton God. Oilers now placing first in the Pacific. Yeah, I, I had them first. I'm, I'm assuming we'll probably have the same. I'm assuming the rest of our list is probably going to go the same way. Yeah, it's got to be at least similar. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do have the Oilers in first. Uh, I just see them having a really dominant year. Yeah. Um, especially just, you know, when you got guys like McDavid and Drysaddle, it's hard to not have the Oilers finishing top of the division. Yeah, and, like, oh, man, every year I think McDavid's, like, peaked, and then he gets, not only is he the top of the league, he gets even better. Like, he might put up 160, 170 points next year. Like, that's that's so crazy that that's even a conversation we can have. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And I think it, it does a better chance, you know, now that uh, with Bouchard on the power play, like, we saw just how deadly their power play was in the playoffs. If they can play like that all regular season on the power play, like I don't even I can't I don't want to fathom the amount of points McDavid could put up. Yeah, like if if the scoring in the league keeps going up, he keeps getting better. If they can fill out the roster a little bit more, like it's wild to say, but like there's potential that he hits 200 points and he could challenge for Gretzky's single season points record. Like it's wild. Like I don't expect that. But, it, yeah, but it's no. wild that we can have that conversation now. Like, Kucherov's yeah, 128 be points was the top best single point season in the league since 95. And then all of a sudden, McDavid beat that by 20-plus points. Yeah, he just keeps smashing his previous records. Like, it's nuts what he's doing. Yeah, he just put up 64 goals. And every time I watched him play, he looked like a pass-first guy still. Like... I think at will, like if he just woke up and decided I'm going to be a goal scorer, he could put up, he could, he could get close to 80 goals in a season. Like, yeah, if that's really, if that's all he tried to do is just score goals, like, yeah, he could put up insane goal totals. Um, but enough with the Oilers here. Do we want to, yeah, let's move on to um, who's next here? The LA Kings. The L.A. Kings. The L.A. Kings. Todd McClellan's team. Great coach. 
Well, you're a big fan. You big fan of Toddy? Yeah, I I do. I really do like him as a coach. Um, I think he's done amazing stuff for the Kings, and I think he's going to continue for I think quite some time. I think he's probably got one of the um, safest positions out of any coach. Like I don't see him being out of LA anytime soon. Yeah, they they've got a really good thing going in LA. They're they're missing a couple of their picks, you know. They're missing their their fifth, their third, and their second rounder uh, this current year. But they've they've got a really good uh, core, especially of forwards coming up. And they most of the important ones all look like they're locked up too. Like, um, yeah, yeah, pretty much they're big. You know, their top guys are all, at least for the next three seasons, they've got everybody yeah, locked Kop- in. Kopitar at three years. Dubois just signed his new eight-year deal. Six years for Fiala, four for Deneau, three for Kempe. Like, they've, they've got some guys locked up. Mm-hmm. And Quinton Byfield has only one year left, but obviously he's an RFA. He'll, it'll be interesting to see what kind of contract he gets. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, more than anything, it'll just be kind of interesting to see where he slots in with the team. You know, um, playoffs last year, we saw him kind of move up and kind of be one or more of those go-to guys for the Kings. But now, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois is also coming in. He's kind of similar to Byfield, a big, heavy player. So I don't know how much that affects Byfield. But, like, they, they got a good, you know, they can roll out a good top six yeah like, and they they have a pretty decent uh decor as well you know drew dowdy is still putting up good numbers you know obviously not playing up to his cap hit but he's still putting up pretty pretty solid defensive metrics uh they got their guy at the dre- deadline last year in uh gavrikov you got mikey anderson they got uh, even young guys like brant clark the mm-hmm. the only real issue i'm seeing here is in net yeah and uh yeah that really depends if they can uh they can just kind of find a goal uh goalie to ride with i'm i'm surprised that they gave up on uh their goalie so quickly last year um what, what was what was cal his name? peterson cal peterson yeah he had a big contract though he yeah it was uh was it five million a year yeah yeah, it was I I thought he was going to be a pretty good goalie in the league and and honestly he was good for quite a while and then he just had it wasn't even that long of a stretch of being bad. It was just all like horrendous month and a half mm-hmm. of just like just straight up sub NHL goaltending and yeah. he just never really got a chance to come back cuz it was just that bad. And it's wild that they signed him to multiple years at five million a year, and they were that, that shows quick just how to good he was. Move on from time, him. yeah. I'm I'm interested to see how he'll do uh, this year. I think he's with uh, Ottawa now, correct? Um, no, that's Corpusalo. Uh, Peterson oh, right. went to Philadelphia, so he'll be uh, playing be back up behind Carter. Tough to, yeah, tough to gauge with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly, right? But, uh, um, you know, Phoenix I do, Goblin, I really Cam do Talbot. like this, though. 
It's a yeah. solid tandem. Yeah, I, I mean, think I think it's it's, it's, it's got to be a tandem. But you know, mm-hmm. thirty six, you can still play twenty five to thirty games. You know, Phoenix Copley. I mean, he did really well last year, and that is two thousand uh, two and a half million for both your goalies. That's cheap. Like, yeah. Not to mention, they also do have uh, David Riddick signed as well. So if you know, all else fails with those other two, you know, David Riddick can come out and he can, you know, be a not a great guy, but he 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 proved he can be solid when needed to sometimes. So there there there's there's multiple options for them. Yeah, and there's a lot of teams with three goalies right now that are going to have to put some guys on waivers or cut them. And there's probably going to be a couple guys that they're at least going to kick tires on. Uh, I think you've got to. Once they're all free agents out there. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, like we said, defense is, is, is pretty solid and it's still, you know, got those high end guys like Drew Doughty, um, the Fords, I mean, Kopitar, Dubois, Fiala, Dino Kempe, and then, you know, you throw in Quentin Byfield. I think that's a very solid top uh, six. And that's not even including guys like Victor Arvidsson, Trevor Moore. Um, what, I think the biggest thing that is kind of going to be the focal point of the Kings throughout preseason and then the start of the season is what happens with um, Alex Turcott. You know, he was drafted in 2019 fifth overall. Um you know, really hasn't taken that that next step into the NHL and, you know, playing like a fifth overall pick for the Kings. I do kind of see a window opening for him now that, um, you know, they moved out one of their, their good young players in Gabriel Velarde. Um, They did get Dubois back in there. So it's not like a roster spot is necessarily opened, but it opens a possibility for, for Turcotte to come in and try and be... Um, you know what? What Gabriel Velarde was coming as a young guy and really try and make an impact because you know it's it's kind of now or never for him if he wants to to take that next step into being the fifth overall pick that he was. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how that trade ages as the year goes on because uh, Dubois was a good get for them, but man, they they paid a fairly steep price for him. Yeah. So. uh because they, they traded both uh, Ayafalo and Velarde, right? And Rasmus Kupari. Yeah, that's... Those are three guys that I thought were going to be a decent part of their core uh, going forward, so... I think a second. Yeah, like... Um, no, second was part of trade Noe Cal-Peterson, never mind. But you know, if, uh, if Dubois performs the way they're hoping he will... Uh, not only will that trade look good for them, but that contract will look really good if he can perform. Yeah. Eight and, and a he's half, only twenty-five. Like, so going forward, that's that's all his prime years. Yeah, yeah. I think the I think the Kings are going to have a good season this year. Again, much like the Oilers, uh, the goaltending is kind of the biggest area of uh, of concern. But good teams and good GMs find a way to to solve those issues. So. Right. Where do you have LA finishing? I have the LA Kings finishing third in the Pacific Division. 
I also have the LA Kings finishing third, making the playoffs. I figured, yeah, yeah. I think that's I think that's a safe spot for them. I really, you know, barring anything crazy, um, or if you know the gold tank situation gets worse before it gets better, I really don't see the Kings moving up out of that third spot or moving down and having someone overtake them. I think that's like that's probably the most secure lock I would say out of any teams finishing in their division. I think it's such a lock that the Kings finish in third. Yeah. I think they, they've done such a good job of, of uh, turning this team from a bunch of aging out guys and, you know, moving out pretty much everyone except for Kopitar and Dowdy and, kind of spinning this back in around and now they're a exciting young team. They they did a really good yeah. job of uh of swapping over to being a, a younger team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. Alright, who do we who do we got next? We got the boys in teal, the San Jose Sharks. You can't see it, but right now I'm doing the arms mouth. Oh, okay, good. I'm Cal. I'll quickly do it. There it right, is. Jaws. Um. Oof. Fuck. It's a tough roster to look at. It's also tough looking at all that dead cap. It's not too bad if you just sit here and look at the draft picks. That is true. That There's is a weird true. amount of missing draft picks. Uh, in the third and fourth round, but yeah, they got their own first and Pittsburgh's first this year. They got uh, their own second and uh, the Devils' second this year, and I believe that's the one where if the Devils make the conference finals, then it moves into a yeah. first. So I basically am viewing it as they have three first round picks and a second round pick. Like the Devils, I think, in I think no way, shape, to... form should not make the Eastern Conference final next year. I think the East is such a bloodbath and the playoffs can be so unpredictable. It's hard to know. But uh, you, yeah, I would not put it past the Devils at all to go to at least the conference finals. Yeah. So, I mean, if you view it that way, like, that's not bad. Three first round picks, a second round pick, and probably a few more are going to get added in because, you know, kind of like what we talked about previously, I think guys like um, LeBanc, Hoffman, maybe Duclair, probably Lynn Blum gets moved, Barabanov, maybe. Um, I just I think there's just a lot of uh, more picks that are going to get brought in. I think that's kind of the um, the the way that the Sharks are taking this rebuild approach is rather than you know I think kind of with the exception of top prospects like like Henry Thrun was, like uh, Mukamadulam was. I see them just going out and bring in draft picks so then they can build their team from within. They can go out and get the guys that they want. And, yeah. um, you know, they kind of know a lot more about those players because they've been scouting them all year. So I assume, you know, when probably more of those guys than not get moved, I think it's going to be a lot of um, draft picks in this upcoming year or the following year um, being added in there. So I expect that number of draft picks to to grow, both in terms of quality and in quantity. Yeah, they're, 
they really just got to start stocking the shelves with uh, as, as many good young prospects as they can. Yeah, yeah, there is. I don't know if we've looked at a team yet that has this many guys with one year left. And that like, they're like all UFAs. That's like it's like, a lot of UFAs. Like, like, obviously, they're like already kind of tearing it down a bit. But like they could really tear it down at the deadline if they wanted. And they yeah. could they could bring in as many first, second, third round picks as they want. Which I think is what they're going to do. Because like I said, um, I think LeBanc, I think he gets moved. Um, Granlund, they got in the Carlson trade. I think he stays the whole year and then is moved the following year. Um, when he's only got one year left on his deal, I think Mike Hoffman gets moved. Um, I think Duclair is kind of one of those guys. Um, I think him and uh, Barabanov are the two where it's, you know, they'll play kind of play throughout the season. Um, and I think the Sharks will kind of be in talks about them because, you know, they're still, they're, they're 28 and 29 years old, but they're both, you know, Barabanov, you can get a, a solid 50 points at him every year. Duclair, you know, he's, he's only a year removed from putting up 30 goals. So I think if you can get those guys coming back on, on decent contracts and not having to overpay for them or give them too much term. I could see those two being brought in, but you know, even, even guys like Rodim Shimmick, uh, Oscar Lindblom, uh, maybe a Jacob McDonald. Like there, there, I think there's a lot of pieces that are, are going to get moved out um, either before or at the trade deadline. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it'll, it's really one of those situations where you just got to hope that uh, they're going to make good on all those draft picks, you know, at a certain point it's uh, draft picks. We, they have perceived value and how much you think a player is worth, but at the end of the day, the draft pick isn't worth anything if the guy doesn't make the NHL. And, uh, you know, we've seen in the past, you know, uh, you know, five ish years ago uh, and Arizona's rebuilding and they're getting a bunch of first round picks and none of them ended up panning out, and then they kind of had nothing left, so they kind of had to start from scratch, and they're only finally starting to really build up the prospect pool after that, so hopefully they can uh, hit on some more of those. They've already got, like you said, uh, a couple of those good young guys uh, coming up, Mukmadulin and and the like. Well, Um, It'll really be interesting to see if Zadina can, can prove himself this year. Yeah. Like, anybody who bets on themselves as hard as he did, uh, with having a mutual contract buyout with the Red Wings, dude just gave up like around five million dollars in guaranteed cash to bet on himself that he could get more by going to San Jose, which is you don't see that very often. So I'm I'm really pulling for him this year. One well, and just before I, I hop into Zadina more, it's also worth noting that, you know, a lot of people viewed it as, um, you know, not last year, but the year before that was kind of Miker's first, um, you know, draft with the team. And that was his way of kind of starting to get things rolling. But I really only view it as last year, just because the year before he was brought in, um, not long before the draft, uh, it was a lot of um, Doug Wilson's who actually, um, Doug Wilson also just signed in a management role with Pittsburgh. So um, he's going there with Carlson. So that's kind of cool. Um, but, but when Mike Greer came in, it was a lot of Doug Wilson's 
um, guys still there. And so Mike Greer wasn't kind of there all season, you know, going through the prospects with them and figuring out how they want to do it. Whereas, you know, after the draft, um, a lot of guys were, were let go and he brought in his group of guys that he wanted to work with. And so last year was kind of his first draft of being with the team for a full year, um, grabbing the draft picks he wants, being part of the scouting of players. And I think, I think at the end of the draft last year, I think they received like a grade of an A or something or an A minus. Uh, so they did very well in the draft and they got a lot of good pieces, both, you know, early on in the first round to even guys down in the, you know, the fourth and fifth round. So, you know, I, I have faith in, in the group that San Jose's put together there for going out and drafting the right guys and the guys that um, they can see being a part of this team in the future. But yeah, like you said, with Zadina, um, you know, it takes a lot to give up on all that to, to bet on yourself. And, um, you know, you kind of really got one crack at it here. But I see him probably slotting in high on the Sharks roster, just given the, um, I wouldn't, I don't really want to say lack of depth because this is actually a pretty deep team. It's just, there's not that high end stuff that every other team has pretty much. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't quite have the, uh, you know, the the superstars that a lot of other teams have around their uh, top six. You know, it's yeah. it definitely got some skill there, especially, you know, uh, Tomas Hurdle and Logan Couture. But, you know, when you're reading off other teams and they got, you know, they got the McDavid, Dreisaitl. Yeah, okay, let's, let's not go there. Like, that's... Yeah. The Oilers are in their own area, but... Yeah, no, I, that, like that's exactly it. There's just not that uh, very high level superstars there. Hopefully, maybe guys like, I mean, you know, uh, William Ecklund was a, a seventh overall pick. Sedina was a sixth overall pick. They're still young players. Maybe they come in, slop into the top six, and they 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 can turn um, into superstars. Maybe something like what we've kind of seen happen with a Tage Thompson type thing. Um, more for Zadina than than Eklund because Eklund is only twenty, but if yeah. like if Zadina could even be like half of what Tage Thompson has turned into with Buffalo, like like that can be huge for the Sharks. So yeah, um, and Zadina's honestly, kind of the biggest X factor, I think. Yeah, and honestly, they have kind of looked in Detroit like they don't really know, like they almost just don't look like they know what they're doing, which is wild for a team with so many with uh, such history and, you know, they, there's surely no shortage of guys who'd want to go there. And, you know, they got uh, Stevie Y and they got uh, Derek Lalonde on the bench. So it's kind mm-hmm. of strange that they seem to not have too much of an identity right now. And uh, it would be wild if they misused this guy and then he went somewhere else and did well. But mm-hmm. I could definitely see it happening. Yeah, I completely agree. Um I mean the their goaltending is is a tandem, uh Capocac and Mackenzie Blackwood. You know, both goalies that looked to have such a bright future and they came in and it just hasn't really panned out very well for either one of them. I think they're gonna be a, a tandem. I don't really see one being the the go to guy with the other barring um any injuries or, or major slumps for either of them. Yeah, I thought, uh, man, if you would have asked me two or three years ago, I definitely thought both these goalies would be on a much better career path than they are. Like, 
Yeah, well, I, I would have expected Kakanen to I thought be Kakanen the starter for Minnesota and really Blackwood good. to be the starter and for the Devils. Yeah, Blackwood especially. You know, a lot of people talked about him like he was going to be like, you know, not not quite elite, but one of those guys that's like you know a high end starter that's that's border that's bordering on elite. And yeah. It's a, it's a shame that it hasn't uh, gotten to that point. There is still time for them to to turn it around. Um, you know, might be might be tough with um, you know the defense in front of them. Uh, Mark Edward Vlasic, we kind of know the story with him. Mario Ferraro, um, I think is their number one guy guy on the back end. Um, I I still think he's a very solid defenseman. Yeah. I think he I hope he can kind of take that next step this season now that he's he's going to be in the role of kind of the the go-to guy and then you just got some good um you know filler pieces i wouldn't say anything really standing out much in you know jan ruda uh nikolai knizhov matt benning uh shimmick like burrows they got a lot of defensemen like an alarming amount so again i think those guys are going to get moved but like this team isn't anything out of this world. You can tell that this is a, a rebuilding team. Yeah. Like heavy in the rebuild. Yeah. But uh, luckily, a lot of the things they're putting together seem to be on the similar timeline. You know, you got uh, in two years, Brent Burns's retained salary is gone. And in four, Carlson's is up. They got uh, four years on Martin Jones buyout. They got. Is it uh, is it four? They got three years on the Vlasic contract, and they've got uh, four years on the Couture contract. Which, out of all of those, the Couture contract is the only one I would say you know that one's fine. Still, I think you know in the it's last, fine if they're in the playoffs, because that's where you get your your real value out of them. Yeah, he is a animal in the playoffs, and those last two years of the contract might look a little rough, but you know with all that money coming off the books in the years you know, the next two, three, and four years. Uh, it'll be a nice bit of extra cap room for all these young guys when, you know, when you need to sign Eklund to a to a real contract and everything. So yeah. they've, they've got their timeline laid out clearly, which is can't be said for every rebuilding team. So, yeah. And, and I think... I think kind of the, the area where they're really coming strong out of the rebuild, I think, is... Um, in three years' time, I think that's when, you know, you're going to know what you've got in, in guys like um, Philip Beestead, probably, Thomas Bordalo, uh, Willie Mecklen, maybe, um, Philip Zadina. But then you've got that those other guys coming up, like the the Muka Madulans, um, the Will Smiths, the uh, Quentin Musty. So there's a good... They've got a good crop of prospects that that are going to be coming up right when guys like Eklund and um, and those guys have now established themselves either as you know major players for the Sharks or maybe somewhere else. But it, they're gonna they've already kind of got that next prospect group to to come in now. And now if they can keep kind of adding to that and have a yeah. good flow um, coming out of this rebuild, when like you said, kind of when these these contracts are expiring or the retained money is off the books i think is is really when they're gonna um hit their stride again 
Yeah, like if if even fifty percent of the guys you just named hit on on those players being what you want them to be, and then you've got three first round picks this year, like you can you could really see the foundation starting to build there of a and not, really good team. And not only that, like probably two uh, mid to later first round picks, but like the Sharks first round pick. I mean, realistically, it could be anywhere from from one to three is probably where it kind of ends up. So, you know, to have that prospect group they have already, and then you've got those um, other first round picks. And if you've got like a top three pick, like your your prospect pool is going to be looking really, really nice. Yeah, that uh, that could be a potentially really high pick, as high as number one, and. Uh, for my money, I hope that the Sharks get number one next year. Yeah, that's that's what we're hoping for. Because, like, re- realistically, playoffs aren't an option. I think the biggest thing is finding out um, just what you have in those guys like Philip Sedina, even kind of Fabian Zetterland, Willie Mecklen, Thomas Bordelow, I think. That's kind of the biggest thing for them is um, establishing what you've got in these guys so you know what to go out and get to what to kind of build around, um, you know, those guys, if, if you see them being on the team long-term and where they'll, they'll kind of slot in. Yeah. All right. I don't think there's much debating here. I'm assuming you have them where I have them. I have the Sharks finishing eighth in the Pacific. I also have them finishing in eighth. Why the, why? Outside of the Why would playoff. you do that? Why would you, you don't have to say that? Draft lottery team is what we're saying. Yes, lottery kings. Draft yeah. kings. Yeah. Um, what do we got next? All right. The Seattle Kraken. Let's get Kraken. Let's get Kraken with the Kraken. Um good team. Good depth. Um Brought in some good pieces this offseason. Locked in some of their good pieces long-term this offseason. I like the look of this team. I really like how deep this team is. I like that they have the mindset of, um, you know, them being like, you know, we, we, we know that we don't got the, the, the McDavid's and the dry sidles and, and whatnot, but what they we've really got is play we've got... As a committee. They, yeah, they yeah they play as every every player is our best player type of thing, like we're we're all one together, and they go out there and they can just roll very similar to the Islanders almost. They can just roll four lines, uh, three defensive pairings, and it's just it's done by committee, and it it works so effectively for them because everybody has their role and what they bring to the team. Yeah, and it's it almost kind of shows that reflects that as well in the fact that they have four assistants and no captain. Yeah, I think they will have a captain um, next season. I think now that they're at a point where it's like, okay, we're no longer like, I mean, they're still the newest team, but they're not like, oh, you know, we're fresh in the league now. Um, We're still trying to find ourselves. It's like, you guys have made the puffs. You just upset the, the defending cup champs in the first round. Um. I think it's at a point now where like they're they're a playoff team. They know they can get there. They're they're gonna go back there. Um and I think they kinda you kinda need that identity and that um that captain there. Yeah. 
I think I think there's a pretty solid three, maybe four options for for that captain. All right, I, who do you got? I think there is a very solid uh, argument for any of Jordan Eberle, uh, Yanni Gord, or Jared McCann. Okay. I think, I think any of those three could realistically be named captain at any point here. Um, but if they want to go this route, because some teams just like doing it, uh, they, could, they could give it to Matty Beneers and give it to the young guy, the guy who's supposed to be really good, the young center, and he could be your your Ryan Getzlaff type, you know, your Steven Stamkos for the next 15 to 20 years if things go There's your Sydney way. Crosby, like, yeah. With how good this kid is. Yeah, I think I think that is um I I don't see it being Jared McCann. Um I just think I think he he's you know he he he's an option, but I think when you're comparing to the likes of you know Matty Beneers, Yanni Gord, or Jordan Eberly, um my money would be more on Yanni Gord or Matty Beneers just because Again, you know, Jordan Everly is is 33. Um, the end of next season, he's going to be 34. He's only got one year left. Um, I think, I really do believe that they go Matty Beneers solely on the fact that after the expansion draft, and, and you know, they already had um, their guys like Jared McCann that they, they got in it, Yanni Gord, Jordan Everly, um, even guys like, you know, Adam Larson. But yeah. they went with Mark Giordano, who is, was was a was a good was a good choice. But you gave your captaincy to an old veteran who you clearly know isn't going to be on the team long. He didn't even play a full season there. He was traded at the deadline to to the Maple Leafs. So it's like, why would you name your first captain in franchise history be a guy that's only going to be there for you know seven months? And so yeah. I, I think a big part of that was almost it was just kind of like even though they didn't need to, like you could have done what Vegas did and just, you know, went a couple years without um, having a captain until you've really got your guy. But I think they kind of did that to just kind of bridge the gap until uh, Matty Beneers has come in and um, is ready to take that role. So my money would be on it being Matty Beneers, but if not, I think it goes to Yanni Gord. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much at the same spot. I think those are the the one and two choices, and I'd be fine with either of those. You know, uh, Gord is an absolute heart and soul guy. Like, do that's exactly what you want in a captain. He will go in and fight for any guy on the ice if he goes down or anything. You know, he'll get in there. He'll be a bit of a piece of shit to the other team. You know, he, he he's just a such a good guy to have on your team. But, you know, a guy the caliber of Matty Beneers, you, can't, you absolutely can't go wrong with trying and to I also put think your team they, behind him. Yeah, and I think they also just want to go down the road of, like, you know, he was our very first draft pick ever, you know, second overall, and I think they kind of want to make him the, the face of that franchise for, yeah. you know, the next 15, 20 years. Um, but I think regardless, at the end of the day, with this team from what we've already seen, I think they all have the belief that it doesn't matter, um, you know, who has to see on their jersey. They, they're all captains kind of on that team. As cliches, that sounds like that's kind of the identity they have yeah. where it's not just one guy. It's 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 all of them. So 
Um, but aside from that, like it's such a deep forward core again, doesn't have that superstar high end skill, but it is so deep top to bottom. And you could even see, you know, Maddie Beniers take that next step and become that superstar. Uh, Eli Tolvin and even Jared McCann could get that status if he drops another 40 goals. And then their defense, I mean, Vince Dunn, Alexiak, Adam Larson, Brian Dumoulin, Justin Schultz. Like it's a. Yeah, Adam it, Larson. Again, it's not put like, up the best years of his career so far in Seattle. Vince Dunn's yeah. taking a next step. Like they, they're looking it's real a good. Deep, it's deep. And then their goaltending is. Their goaltending is deep. I mean, you, uh, even their forwards, um, he's on IR, so I didn't see him here. Andre Burkowski. But like their goaltending, Philip Grubauer, Chris Jurieger, Joey Decord, like their goaltending is deep too. Yeah, it's it's a very solid team. And they play a very fun style of hockey of just, just wearing yeah. down their opponent. It's almost like they play playoff hockey in the regular season. They just they just roll the four lines and they just throw people at you and they just wear you down and then they go in and go for it like and one even Shane Wright like he he could still make the team and um, I think they're hoping they, to get that next step from him and he could be a huge impact player for them so I mean they they have a good team they have a good team and I really like the way that that it's built and the style that they have there. Um, uh, Dave Haxtell, I think, was just signed to an extension, so he's going to continue to be the coach there. I think he's done amazing things for that team. So, you know, and they just had a really good draft last year as well. I think they had one of the better drafts in the league. So, like, buckle up because I think Seattle is going to be a force for for the next little bit. Yeah, and... You know, I feel like I saw it a lot uh, more towards the start of last year, but a lot of people, you know, as soon as Shane Wright fell in the draft, I feel like a lot of people expected less of him, but like, make no mistake, this is a first overall caliber player. Like, yeah, people were thinking for a long time he was going to go first. Like, Slavkovsky is not going to be the better player now automatically because Montreal went with him. Like, they... They liked what they saw in him better, but Shane Wright still has the has the goods to be a number one center in the league, and and you know maybe he'll be a a Malkin esque uh, second center behind Matty Beniers, or maybe he learns to play the wing. But I definitely yeah. think Shane Wright's gonna he's maybe not as soon as this year, but eventually I think he's gonna show up, but he's gonna show up in a big way in the NHL. Yeah, I I completely agree. Um, all right. That all being said, uh, where do you actually, I'll go first for this one. I, I have the Seattle Kraken finishing fifth in the Pacific division and making the playoffs. I have, I do have them in that fifth, uh, or that second wildcard spot. Yeah. I have Seattle finishing fourth in the Pacific in a playoff spot. Oh, okay. All right. So pretty yeah. close, pretty close. Yeah, I figured we'd have the same four, five, and six. I, I'm yeah. assuming our uh, uh, your fourth and my fifth are probably the same team. Yeah. No. No, yeah. No, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, we got yeah, two I, teams left. We we do think that. I, I mean, yeah, we both think that Seattle's gonna make the playoffs. I think they should, especially in this division. Um, you know, I mean, the team we're moving on to, the Canucks, is is the team I also have right in that area with the uh, Flames and the Kraken, where I think the three of them can intertwine. Yeah. Um, you know, anyways, like lots of things can happen, but I do see Seattle being one of the two that that come out on top and making the playoffs. Yeah. Same here, except I just have them at the top of those three. I have them in the in the first wild card spot. They just they they seem more certain of themselves, you know. Vancouver mm-hmm. and Calgary. They both uh seem pretty nervous, gripping their sticks pretty tight. They don't uh they don't know where their team's going. Like either of those teams in two years could be in a full rebuild or they could be well, we know serious contenders. Like we kind of have a direction somewhat on where the Canucks are going. Um, now as th- we don't even have to, you know, debate about it or anything because it's, it's now happened. Um, Quinn Hughes is now the captain of the Vancouver Canucks. Um, as of two days ago or something, he was named captain. So that's a big, uh, that's a big statement by the team and a big decision that uh, yeah. needed to be made. Um, you know, a lot of people are surprised it's not Elias Pettersson, but a lot of people can see why. Uh, I think everybody knows or knew that it wasn't going to be JT Miller. Um, but I, I think this is a good um, move by the Canucks, though. So. Yeah, I th- I've seen some uh, transcripts from some interviews with both uh, Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes. And, you know, Quinn Hughes always kind of seemed like the guy who was like, you know, yeah, if they want to give me the captaincy, that'd be pretty cool. And Elise Pettersson had been asked, you know, have they offered you the C? Do you think you'd take it? And he's kind of like, yeah, you know, it would be an honor and everything. But, you know, I'm, pr- I'm a fairly quiet guy in the locker room, and I don't know if that uh, fits my personality that well. So... Uh, seeing a lot of that uh, is not incredibly shocking to me that uh, they went with uh, Quinn, uh, especially yeah. knowing their their whole family. Like there is no shortage of uh, you know feeling themselves in the Hughes family. They yeah, they've all got that hockey guy confidence, and you know what? That's you know it's you don't want to be foolhardy or anything but you got to have confidence at that level you can't yeah you can't be second guessing yourself at the top level of play yeah no i i completely agree um yeah i think Pedersen kind of made it clear like without saying it that it just basically kind of seemed like he didn't want to be captain um he just wants to focus on playing hockey and not all this other stuff because it just doesn't fit with who he is and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that i and i said it before i don't believe that quinn hughes getting the c is immediately gonna make Pedersen now be like okay i don't want to resign here like you know you guys look me over and whatnot like i think this is exactly what he wanted um so i think the door is still wide open for an extension i think he gets it done um at some point but they kind of have their identity now in having Quinn Hughes uh, be their captain for however long he wants to stay with the Canucks moving forward. Yeah. Um, what uh, What do you think, uh, if he were to sign tomorrow, what do you think an Elias Pettersson contract looks like? Mm. 
hold up. I gotta look up. Uh, isn't it comparable? Stats. He's because uh, he's currently making seven point three five mil, and clearly that's an underpay at this point. But I probably because mm, he just put up a hundred, like one hundred three points last year. Yeah, while being pretty solid. Point, I think at this point now, you're probably actually no, because no, that's it. Never mind. I was going to say he's he's a comparable to like a Jason Robertson, but yeah, Jason Robertson's on that steal of a deal. So a Pedersen, I probably, assuming it's an eight-year deal, yeah. I could see eight years at maybe 10, 10 and a half. Yeah, that's, that's about what I'm thinking. 10, I think that's probably yeah. where it ends up with him. Probably eight, yeah, 80 million, eight by 10. Is what I would expect. Mm-hmm. I could, I could see it going up to eleven if he really squeezes them. Maybe eleven and a half. Um, but yeah, I think somewhere between ten to eleven, maybe maybe nine and a half to ten if he's uh, feeling generous. Yeah. But yeah, I I think he'll he'll get paid pretty handsomely when he signs that contract. Yeah, and I think and, that'll and, still be a good deal for them. I think I think you oh, gotta yeah. you gotta pay big bucks to get those superstars, those game breaking talents, uh, all locked up. Yeah, I I completely agree. Um, and even just you know the pieces around Pedersen, like JT Miller, I'm not sure what's gonna happen with him. Um, but he can still be a very effective player for them. Again, Brock Besser, don't know what's gonna happen with him. Um, I'm assuming. You know, now kind of with this new, I don't know, it kind of feels like it was almost certain he was going to be moved, but now it almost kind of looks like maybe he's going to be a part of their team moving forward. I think he's a can still be a very effective player for them. Uh, Kuzmenko, great young player, expecting to kind of take that next step again next year, uh, building on his 38 goal se- or 39 goal season, sorry. Because, yeah, he put up 39 goals last year, which is crazy for a guy coming in his first year in the league. Yeah. But then he, was even, the even one, still, he was the one with the shooting percent, crazy shooting percentage, yeah. right? Yeah. He yeah. He doesn't like, take a lot of shots, but like when he does, he scores. Yeah. He was like, he was like 29% or something like that. Like it was crazy. Yeah. And even still good pieces like Connor Garland, Anthony Beauvillier, uh, Nils Hoaglander. Like they've still got, you know, they've got that superstar talent. They've got like, decent okay depth i think their depth is what hurts them more than anything yeah their defense i mean you got quinn hughes uh philip pronick will finally get to hopefully play a i think lot more i think that was Canucks. a good pickup it was it was a little pricey uh paying a first when you're not a playoff team for him mm-hmm. but i think i think that could definitely be worth it for them in the long run i think he's gonna yeah. be a real good fit uh, that Tyler Myers contract is power play. That Tyler Myers contract's pretty rough, but it's it's only got the one year left. So as long as they don't trade for multiple four year long bad contracts to get rid of it. When it I, I've good. also said, and I still believe it's going to happen at some point. At some point, once the Canucks have already had to pay Tyler Myers his bonuses, I wouldn't be surprised to see a trade where he goes to. 
San Jose and um, Kevin LeBanc is included um, in the deal going to the Canucks. Maybe some other pieces added in, but I wouldn't be shocked if we see see that happen. See the Canucks add LeBanc in with their forward core and uh, remove Tyler Myers from their defense. Who do you think? Uh, what do you think uh, goes back towards San Jose? Do you think they're uh, they're asking for a Jack Rathbone? No, I, I really would kind of almost see it as a, a Tyler Myers one for one for LeBanc. You know, both guys kind of struggling on their teams, not the greatest contracts. Mm. Uh, Vancouver could use some help on, you know, their second and third line. San Jose could use a right-handed defenseman. Um, they can kind of log some minutes. So I kind of see it being maybe just a one for one swap for for both sides. Um, that's fair. And just to kind of help fill those areas that, that they need to, to fix for the time being, at least. How long does Kevin LeBanc have left on his contract? I, just one year. Okay. I was going to say. Yeah, him and Myers are both the same one year. I was curious if uh, he had like three years left. And, and like what I like just said about not trading him for a guy who has multiple years on a, on a not good contract. No, yeah. Like LeBanc. No, yeah, he's just got the one year left at like. I think four point seven five. So you're, but you're still saving a little bit of money. You're saving um, a bit, and yeah. then you're helping add to that that forward depth that could use a little bit of help, right? And then you know Thatcher Demko in net um, is a great that that's their strong suit. I would say really right now is their goaltending. I think Demko is, um, you know, when he's allowed to just play his game and. You know, he's not dealing with a bunch of two-on-ones or breakaways and whatnot. I think he's um, a very solid goalie, and I think he's a he's a very bright spot for the Canucks. Um, you know, times last year when the team looked horrible, Demko was was a bright spot for them. So I, I expect much of the same from him again. Yeah. Yeah, It uh, a lot of it will depend on their goaltending just because it's... Uh... It's not a great defense, and so that'll often mean that the goalie has to try and pick it up because of our lack of depth. And uh, hopefully, hopefully he can pull it together between that and their top six. But uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's hard to say. You know, they just need replacement level play from their depth on forwards and their depth on defense. And yeah. if they're superstars can carry them they could have a great a really great year but if not it it could be another rough season for canucks fans yeah yeah it's they're, they're in an interesting spot so it'll be kind of uh, uh yeah again like I'll, I'll spoiler alert right now because i kind of already said it earlier but i do have the canucks finishing in six outside the playoffs um i do see them right in there fighting up until the end with the flames on the crack and, but I see them just falling short, um, you know, for whatever that may be, maybe someone just can't stay healthy this season or they get off to a bad start or whatever. I think there's just going to, they're just going to come up short this year. Um, but I expect strong seasons from a lot of their guys still. Yeah, I think, uh, I have, uh, Vancouver finishing fifth just in the playoffs. So I had Seattle four, Vancouver five and, uh, Calgary six, Calgary being the one to not make the playoffs. 
I think, yeah, so, yeah. I think very similar scenario. I think it's going to come right down to it. I think with a couple weeks out, Seattle's going to clinch a spot, and I think it's going to come right down to the wire between Vancouver and Calgary. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would not be surprised if, if Vancouver does sneak in there over one of those two other teams. Um, I think they have all the talent um, there to get into the playoffs, not you know up there with the the kings and and oilers and whatnot but i can still see them being a strong team to to get into the playoffs and and you know maybe uh maybe stir the pot a bit maybe deliver an upset or two it is possible yeah we've seen uh we've seen thatcher demko steal series before yeah exactly right um well i think that wraps up the pacific division huh no i think we got one more do we? Yeah. Who's we got, that? We have a team that just only in April recalled to the NHL Jonas Rongeberg. Who's that? The Vegas Golden Knights. Oh, boo. And that's what they're known for, by the way. Uh, recalling Rongeberg, not, not winning the cup or anything. <laughs> Um, do we really like, okay, they won the cup. Like that's all they get. Oh, sick. Um, yeah, I mean, again, the thing is though, at least with Vegas, we don't have to talk about that long because they really haven't done anything like. That's true. They, I'm surprised they they just, they They traded Riley Smith. I, I thought they, uh. I thought they would have uh, traded more of their picks. They're missing their fourth rounder from this year. They have Columbus's seventh. I think that was from Jonathan Quick. Um, yeah, but they're but they're um, they're missing next year's seventh. Prospects. Yeah, like, like the prospect pool right now isn't very strong. True. Um. Oh, I guess. Oh yeah. Okay. So they let. Um. Braswago and Quick, but so now you've got so like their goaltending situation. Like so, what happens? I don't know what's going on with Robin Leonard. I'm not sure if he's ever even going to play again. Um, yeah, he uh, at one point he entered the player assistance program, and then he had he had like uh, whatever injury he had. I think it was was a knee injury. Yeah, I'm not too sure. Or maybe it was a back injury. Like it's. It's really hard to say what he's gonna do. Okay, it was his. It was his hip. Oh, and I know he wasn't happy with. Um, I think Vegas. I think one of the things he said was like they want him to just play through it, and then get surgery in the off season or something. Um, and he didn't like that. But then you've still got you know now, uh, they're they're Stanley Cup winning goalie Aiden Hill, but you've also got Logan Thompson who was kind of his. Um, he was kind of the starting goalie. Yeah, it looked like it was his net. And, and now, you know, he went down with that injury. Uh, you know, Hill comes in and he wins a cup with them. So now it's like, you know, assuming Robin Leonard doesn't come back, because I don't think he is. Uh, like, what goalie do you go with? Or do you do you run a tandem? I, I don't know. Yeah, I guess you kind of have to run a tandem. I yeah, it's hard to say. It, it's really going to throw a rent to their plans, I think, if Robin Leonard comes back. I think they're banking on him not. 
just because I, I think so. Now that they have Aiden Hill signed to a very similar contract as him, same duration, only a hundred thousand dollars less per year. Uh, yeah, I think they're kind of planning on Leonard not coming back. So if he does, that might mess things up for him a bit. But you know, they still got the majority of their pieces from their very recent cup win uh, this past summer. You know, they still have Jack Eichel, Mark Stone. William Carlson, all three of them for the next three years. Marcia so is at five million for one more year. So I assume they're probably just gonna play let him play that out and see what he wants to do next offseason. I yeah, and I, and I think he'll wanna resign there. And I think they'll wanna wanna get a deal done. I don't see him going anywhere. Um, I don't know if they can afford to keep him. I'm I'm wondering if they're gonna He's gonna have priced himself out a bit there. Nah, because you gotta you gotta also remember like Alec Martinez's contract is up next year, so that opens up a li- just oh, a little that... over five million right there. Yeah, that's gonna open um, a lot for him. You know, Will Carrier, I, I think he might get overtaken by some guys, and uh, so there's another one point four that opens up. I, I think with a guy like him, especially because he's gonna be uh, thirty three at the end of next season. So it's probably only going to be something like maybe maybe a little bit of a pay raise and say like, you know, three or four years at six mil or something. Maybe something kind of similar to um, Alex Killorn's deal. Yeah, yeah, I could definitely see that. Um, but it, it'll be a little bit different with no Riley Smith. You know, he was kind of that one of those heart and soul guys um, right from the get go for this team. You, you know, he's he's now in Pittsburgh, so. Uh, I don't think he's too upset. Join the likes of Crosby, Malkin, uh, Carlson, Latang. I think he's going to be just fine there. Um, but yeah, really, it was you know move out Riley Smith um, and basically just give all that money he was making to Ivan Barbashev now signing that five by five deal with them. Other than that, it's it's pretty much that they're running back with the same group. Yeah, and you know that uh, anytime a team wins the cup and then runs back with a similar team, that's that's dangerous for the rest of the teams. So I, I mean, look think at the Avs. Yeah, I think there's gonna they kind of did that, and it worked out for the regular season, but not come playoffs. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see uh, how they do this next year. Um, and yeah. they've got Ivan, Ivan Barbashev for another five years. Yeah. I, th- I think, again, I think they're going to be just fine. Um, I do have them finishing in second, um, I think, as you do as well, based on process of elimination there. Yeah, they were the team that I had in first or- originally, and then we talked over Edmonton's team, and just they, they've got more depth than they used to. So yeah. they have Vegas in second now. Yeah, making I, I, I the think, playoffs. Yeah, I wish they would miss the playoffs. Um, be kind of fun. yeah. I think they're they're gonna make it back there. Um, you know, I I don't and they got a couple guys that are like, you know, UFAs at the end of the season, but I don't see any of them really being moved just because again, you know, they're they're going for the cup. Um, again, and when you're in an era or an uh, um an air Vegas hockey right now, where at least for this year, next year, you know, rolling with the, the tandem of Aiden Hill and Logan Thompson, 
And between the two of them, they're only getting paid just a little bit over um, five and a half mil per year. Like, I think you got to go all in and, and try to um, win at least one more cup in that two year window before, you know, assuming one of them will probably leave because there'll be a proper starter and can get more money elsewhere. And then whichever one stays is going to get a, a pay increase. So I think they've kind of got a two-year window to uh, really go all in and try and um, and at least get one more there. They, yeah, and I'm surprised they they really don't have one year. Like a lot of teams will have a lot of their UFAs kind of coming up at the, around the same time. They've got them spread out pretty good over the next five years. Yeah, they really like, do. Like there's, there's a couple, quite a few expiring at the end of this year, but you know, once you eliminate the guys who are making league minimum and guys who, uh, whether they are or not part of the the team in the future, it doesn't really matter that much. Yeah. There's only three or four, like it's, uh, it's a decently structured team, honestly, for, uh, for how much people hate on them for just always going out and getting the shiny new toy and, uh, just going for you know the biggest person they can. You know, going out and getting Petrangelo, going out and getting Jack Eichel, Mark Stone. Yeah, it's it's a decently structured roster. Well, and and even so, like I talked about the goalies, you know, Shea Theodore is only making five point two for the next two years. He's going to get a big pay raise at the end of that contract. Um, you know, Zach Whitecloud's yeah. still right now. He signed for five years. But he's only making two point seven five. Nick Hag for the next two years is making just a little bit under two point three. Like they've got yeah. just so many actually really good contracts right now that I think they need to capitalize on now before all these guys start, um, you know, deserving more money on their next deals. And some of them uh, will be pushed out of Vegas because there's just not enough room for them. Yeah, like that White Cloud contract in particular. Like that looks like it was signed in NHL twenty three, like yeah, like it low, really does. A, low AAV for five years. Like that that actually looks like somebody cheesed the system with that one, in particular. But yeah, a lot of them are structured yeah. really well, so it's hard to see yeah. this. Uh, hard to see this team drop too hard, but uh, the the Pacific is starting to heat up with a couple different teams. So uh, yeah. They they might get knocked out a little earlier in the playoffs than some people think. Yeah, I, I I'll be honest, and it's not even because like I dislike Vegas. I just I don't see them. Um, I like I don't see them going back to back. I think it, it's so hard in the NHL to go back to back, which is why I think it speaks volumes to just how good and deep Tampa Bay's team was, and a lot of it also had to do with with health. Um, you know, Tampa Bay was, for the most part, um, at least in the playoffs, was able to remain healthy, and um, and and they kept that team together, and it had those great contracts and that great depth. But it was so good. Like I think with just uh, Vegas, like I, I think especially with Mark Stone, like you know, he 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 goes out every year on LTIR. Um, you know, I think it's probably. I still believe that there's got to be some something to do with circumventing the cap. 
um, just because it always happens every year right around the trade deadline. But then game one for the playoffs, he's back. Um, but, you know, if his injury is, you know, pretty severe and gets even worse, that is a big part of their their team that they can't afford to lose if they're, you know, trying to run it back again this year for uh, another yeah. shot at the cup. And yeah, losing a guy like Riley Smith hurts. He's yeah, a big part those, of their success. Yeah, those those middle six uh, depth guys, uh, you know, you lose enough of them and it can really start hurting you. You know, uh, Tampa Bay, you know, they lose Andre Pilat and then they then they lose Killorn. And, you know, those those really uh, stack up over a while and start affecting your production, especially if they're good defensive players as well. So, yeah, they they've staved off the majority of losses so far. But in the in the next few years, they might lose a couple of those really big names like uh, Shea Theodore. Yeah. Um. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that kind of wraps up our uh, 2023-2024 preview for the Pacific Division. Um, just rolling back through the rankings, I have um, for my teams here. I have the Oilers in first, the Golden Knights in second, the Kings in third, the Flames in four, uh, making the playoffs. The Kraken in five, also making the playoffs. The Canucks in sixth, the Ducks in seventh, and the Sharks in eighth. Yeah, and then for Boom. mine, I have Edmonton in first, Vegas in second, LA in third, Seattle in fourth, Vancouver in fifth, also making the playoffs, and then Van- uh, Calgary in sixth, not making the playoffs, Anaheim in seventh, and San Jose in eighth. Boom. Um, one last thing I think before we wrap up here, um, they were we did kind of talk about it. Uh, this team at the end of last episode, um, this was one of the topics. It has now been official, so uh, it's just worth noting. Um, Adam Lowry is officially the captain of the Winnipeg Jets now. Um, that was my pick for who I thought they were going to give the C to. Um, you know, and I think that's very telling as well by giving him the C. A lot about their future, you know. I think that probably means that you know they know Mark Shifley's gone. Because I think that's kind of the guy that they would have went with if um, if he was going to be sticking around long term. I think, again, it's one of those things where he resigns with the team. Uh, he gets to take over as the next captain because, I mean, age isn't a factor because he's the exact same age as, as Adam Lowry. So I think that's very telling, though, that uh, Mark Scheifele is going to not be with the Jets for too much longer. Yeah, I would I would imagine so. But um, nonetheless, I think it's it's a great choice for the Jets going with Adam Lowry. Um he's just one of those heart and soul guys. You know, he's not the the flashy superstar up front, but you know, he's one of those guys that will literally lay it all on the line with, you know, blocking shots, getting in those those dirty areas, uh mixing it up, you know, he'll stand up for his teammates. Um, he'll, and you know, he can still chip in offensively. Like he can go out there and, uh, do it all in all areas of the ice for the team. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's a great pick to be their new captain. And, uh, yeah, I, I definitely agree with, uh, Shifley. I think it really says he's, his days are numbered there. Yeah. 
Yeah, but um, you know, big big decision there for for the Jets. Um, big season coming up for them. But they're in a they're in a weak division, so they should be just fine, I think. Oh yeah, I mean, any anyone could come in first in the Central. Exactly right. Um, but yeah, I think that kind of wraps this one up here. Anything you want to say uh, before we we get out of here? Uh, not really. I think we covered all the teams pretty extensively. I think I think we got it all out there. Perfect. Well, we will. Uh, we've got these predictions that we've made now etched in here in time. Um, it'll be fun to kind of come back on these at the end of the season and see what we thought and compare it to to what we know then. Um, yeah, maybe yeah. Uh, maybe halfway through the season we'll come back and take a look at how they're doing. Or something like that, and then at the end of the year, we'll yeah take a look and see how radically wrong some of us were, or if maybe we were completely bang on. Mm-hmm. And we'll see how they went. Perfect. Well, thank you to everybody uh, for listening and who stuck around this long uh, to make it to the end. So, round of applause to you guys. Um, yeah, now it's time to figure out what we're gonna talk about next time. We'll come back to you guys. Uh, Same time next week.